Hey everybody, welcome to church. My name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at Trinity. We are so glad that you are here. Before we get into the word today, and we're gonna be looking at a passage from Matthew 16, I wanna share an update regarding how you can pick up our communion kits uh, for Sunday communion. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been encouraging you to gather, if you could, in person, if not virtually, to watch or do church together. And we're hearing amazing feedback from people who are gathering together for the first time in maybe a long time during this pandemic. One of the things that we were really excited about introducing into that mix is communion. And over the last couple of weeks, we've just been here in the parking lot um, a couple of times a week handing out communion kits for you to receive communion at home. And the connections, uh, sometimes just coming into the church parking lot, interacting with a pastor, running into some other people, these things have been really encouraging. So here's what we're going to do. Starting today, uh, from four to six, we're gonna be gathering here in this parking lot, down in the lower parking lot on the west side. Um, Our pastors and a number of our staffers, we're gonna be here from four to six to give you your communion kits. We think this will be a really good time for you to not only pick up communion for the following week, but also see a pastor, uh, connect with somebody, say hey to somebody. Let's take a little step into life together. So we hope to see you later on today at four o'clock here on the west side. I'm going to read from the Bible, and then we're going to jump right in and see what we can see from the Word after we pray. This is from Matthew 16, beginning in verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we ask for grace today to hear what you're saying to us, Jesus, through the Bible. We pray, God, that in the midst of all the busyness of life, the tumult and chaos that we're facing as a society, that you would settle us right here, right now. If we're watching this in a group or we're connecting with people via text or Zoom, God, we pray that you would remind us that we belong to the body of Christ, the family of God, even in such a strange time as this. Give us insight, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to say a few things to us today about this passage, but it's really important for us to pay attention to context. This text follows immediately on from what we looked at last week. Jesus has just revealed himself to his closest friends. He, after Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God, um, Jesus affirms this truth and says, Peter, you're seeing something of vital, vital importance. 
And it's really important for us to recognize that when this text begins with from that time on, Jesus began to speak to them that he would suffer and die and be killed. We need to understand that from that time on means as soon as the disciples saw who Jesus was. So why? Why would Jesus immediately at such a moment of clarity, a moment where they're at a high mountaintop experience saying, Jesus, we really know who you are. You're the, you're the rescuer. You're with us. You're God. Why would he then talk about death? because the disciples were gonna miss something if they weren't careful. See, for Peter and his friends to hear Jesus say, I'm the Messiah, to hear him affirm the fact that he was the deliverer that had come into the world, that would immediately for these friends of Jesus make them begin to believe, well, maybe we're finally gonna be on the winning team. Like maybe this is all gonna go sort of up and to the right. Maybe we're gonna be the kinds of people who finally win. See, the disciples had been preparing to maybe go down a dark road, But then when they hear Jesus affirm that he's the Messiah, the Savior, they probably begin to think, well, maybe it's not going to be that hard after all. Maybe we're going to finally be on the winning team. And I think the first thing we need to see in this passage is that suffering is a part of life. And Jesus in this moment with his friends reminds them that life is ultimately made up of pain and joy. But we can't just focus on the joy. We've got to embrace the hard stuff as well. And so when Jesus said, I'm going to go down a dark road, and he implies, I want you to follow me, what he's saying to them is, as you live your life, you're going to walk down some dark roads. Now, we've been living in a time of darkness, a time where we're facing all kinds of uncertainty. And maybe now more than ever before, we're aware that suffering is a part of life, that there are painful bumps in the road. I think it's important for us to hear that Jesus 2,000 years ago to his friends said to them, you're going to go down some dark roads, but I'm going to be with you in that process. But Peter has a really hard time wrapping his head around this, right? He takes Jesus aside, the text tells us. And I just want you to wrap your head around this. He takes him aside and he rebukes him. He basically looks at Jesus and says, I'm sorry, but that's not the way this thing is going to go down. You can't go down that dark road. (laughs) He rebukes Jesus in the same way that Jesus rebuked demons. Like it's the same word for rebuke. Peter basically gets in front of Jesus and he says, no way. And that leads me to the second thing I think we need to think about. Suffering is a part of life. But the prospect of suffering is absolutely terrifying. Peter is reacting in a very human way. He's probably reacting similar to the way that you and me, that we're reacting during this season of uncertainty. Maybe we thought life was going to go this way, and then all of a sudden, everything seems to be derailed. Suffering's terrifying. And the thought of it was so unthinkable for Peter and his friends that Peter took Jesus aside and said, I'm sorry, no way. We can't go down this road. So why would Peter do that? I I say this all the time at Trinity. Um, Peter gets a bad reputation, right? Like he was the guy that got out of the boat and then sank in the water. And now he's the guy telling Jesus, no way. It can't be the way you say it is. And we want to just say to Peter, what's your deal, man? But y'all, Peter was acting like you would act in the same situation. See, I would submit to you that Peter was acting out of fear. And we sometimes get ourselves into some dark corners when we're afraid. See, Peter's confused. His expectations are not being met. And Peter's just frankly terrified. 
And I would say those three things, confusion, expectations, and fear, are three of the primary battlegrounds of my own life. These are the areas where I, like Peter, tend to resist Jesus, where I tend to say, wait a minute, I don't think I signed up for this. So Peter's doing something that we all do. He's falling down flat on his face. And one of the reasons why I love Matthew 16 so much is that it has Peter at his absolute best, right? You're the Messiah. He sees Jesus for who he is and his absolute lowest trying to rebuke and get in front of and stop Jesus. But let's not dismiss Peter. Let's see Peter as an example of the way we are maybe when we're in seasons where we look at suffering and think, I don't know if I've got what it takes to endure this. Peter was confused. His expectations were not being met. And he's frankly just scared. He's frightened. So where are you right now currently feeling tempted to resist? Where are you afraid Where are you confused? Where might your expectations of the way life would go, where might those things not be going like you thought they would go? I think this is a great opportunity for us to stop and consider and say, how do I reconcile what's really going on inside the depths of my soul? Because y'all, there is a lot going on inside of us right now. The question is, do we know what's going on inside of us? The third thing I think we need to see here is a real invitation. Jesus invites us to trust him even when we are afraid. So what he does is he sees Peter. He sees that Peter's afraid. He sees that Peter is um, really flailing in this moment. And maybe that's where you are right now. And he doesn't say to Peter, well, you're disqualified. He doesn't say to Peter, well, I guess it's too late for you. He doesn't say to Peter, come on, buddy, let's just pep up. You can do this. Put a happy face on. He looks at Peter And he says, I know you're afraid, but I want you to follow me anyway. I want you to trust. And we say this all the time at this church because it needs to be said. Maybe now, more than ever before, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is what happens when we decide to trust and move forward anyway, despite our fear, with our fear. See, there's no scenario where you and me, where we're going to be fearless right now. But I believe Jesus looked at Peter and he looks at us and he says, I know you're afraid. I want you to follow me. See, the irony in this passage is that for a minute, Peter got in front of Jesus and rebuked him. And now Jesus is saying to Peter, get behind me and follow me. Let's not be distracted by the words. Peter's not calling, is not being called the devil by Jesus. Jesus is not referring to one of his closest friends as a demon or a devil. I think that what Jesus sees in this moment is what's at stake, which is that there are forces at play, forces aligned that would try to stop him and stop us. And he just says, that's not going to happen. And then he pivots very quickly, speaking to Peter and his friends and by extension to us. And he says, if you would follow me, pick up your cross and come after me. He's inviting Peter to work through his fear. He's inviting you and me to work through our fear, our confusion, where our expectations are not being met and follow him anyway. So what does it look like for us to follow Jesus right now? I think that's a critical question that each of us have to ask. We have to actually get real and honest, maybe nitty gritty about the fact that following Jesus at this time, it's difficult. And we say this sometimes around here, and I think it's true. It's better to form new habits when things are easy. It's harder to form new habits when things are really challenging. And right now we're in a challenging space. And so if you're trying to form new following muscles, this might be a really tough time to do it. And yet there's no time like the present for us to figure out what it means to follow God. 
It's why at this church we talk about you and me, us making devotional practice habits, choice habits together that we would read and we would pray. We would gather together in small clusters. Right now we can't be the church gathered, so we're having to figure out what does it mean to be the church in a scattered space. That's really important for us. Maybe especially when we're afraid. And then this is the way Jesus ends. The way you live matters. Even when you're afraid, even when you feel uncertain, even when expectations are not being met. This is actually what Jesus says. And I think it's important for us to hear it because if we don't hear it, we'll miss something um, I think really key here. He says at the end of this passage, for the son of man is to come with his angels in the glory of his father and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. So what Jesus is saying there, and we shouldn't be distracted about it. He's not saying you can earn your way into some sort of um, blissful state. He's just saying the things you do, despite your fears, what you do still counts. So he's saying live your life. And I want to say to you, the best way to live our life faithfully right now is to admit our fear to admit our confusion and say, but I'm still going to f- move forward. I'm still going to follow. I'm still going to be as faithful as I know how to be. That's, I think, all that Jesus is asking of us right now is to put one foot in front of another, acknowledging the fact that we feel uncertain. In a few moments, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer and turn you loose to uh, begin the process of uh, communion in your groups. But before we do, we want to put just a few questions in front of you. And these questions, I think, are going to be designed for you to reflect on or discuss if you're in a group or a text thread where you can discuss these questions. And so I'm going to read them to you one at a time. And we've we've heard some feedback about uh, how, how fast it feels when we read these questions. So either pause your video when they're all up um, or pull your phone out, take a picture, because we want to put them up there so that you can capture them and move forward. Here are three questions for our consideration. Where are you experiencing an invitation to trust Jesus through submission at this time? What might trusting Jesus in the middle of hardship, what might be the challenge there for you? Is it confusion? Is it expectations or fear? So where might you be finding the challenge? And then finally, what new life might God be looking to resurrect in you as a result of the challenges that you're facing? So rather than avoid our challenges, let's say, God, where might you be working in the middle of that challenge? So if you want to, you can pause your your computer or your television right now so that you can take a picture or interact over these questions.